The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Chronic Podcast with host Ralph Malbro and featuring bloggers Andrew Juge of SaintsNation.com, Kevin Held of The Team Drops the Ball, and Dave Cariello of Canal Street Chronicles. This podcast is nothing but serious football talk and hardcore analysis. Which four of you would survive the longest in the zombie apocalypse, and in which order would you die? Well, Ralph, no offense, you're going first. Oh, definitely. <laughs> no, 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 no. The zombies would smell Dave's sugar blood and target him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'd get his. <laughs> I don't even have a joke, Dave. <laughs> Dave. Dave smells like nougat. Now here's your host, Ralph Malbrook. Welcome to the Chronic Podcast. As always, we are sponsored by the Pelican House in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 2572 City Place Court. They have 136 draft beers. You could be there right now watching Nichols State trying to beat the number two team in the country, UL Lafayette. You could be watching LSU baseball. You could be watching NBA playoffs when they're not talking about Donald Sterling's racist ass getting the fucking show from the league. Um, Doing all kinds of stuff at, at the Pelican House, 2572 City Place Court. They support us, so you should support them. All right. The Saints news, the main thing this week, guys, is the schedule. Now, before I get to Dave and I get to Andrew, Kevin is MIA doing power bombs in uh, Tennessee or something. Uh, Andrew, the NFL fucked the Saints so hard on the schedule. They play on a Sunday night against Green Bay at home. Then they have to fly to Carolina and play Thursday night. That, my friend, is a screw job, as I'm trying not to curse. No other team has to pull off that little feat. Uh, Besides that, I was kind of mad on the schedule. But as far as that goes, Andrew, that's as big a screw over as any team can bitch about as far as the schedule goes, in my opinion. Well, I disagree because I think the worst thing that can happen – is to have a home game in Atlanta. In other words, one of your eight home oh, – I'm sorry, in, in London. So one of your eight games, you, you basically lose a home game Man, and you've got to go – and you've got to go across the pond to London on top of it and play a game over there. So, And the Saints – that happened to the Saints against the Chargers years ago, um, and that was the worst. I think that was 2007. Uh, but uh, this is happening to Atlanta this year, which I find comical. Uh, but, yeah, I mean – I don't know. Do you really think it makes that big of a difference if you're playing at noon on Sunday with the Thursday turnaround versus playing late that night on Sunday? Do you really think that makes that big of a difference? To me, I think it makes a I think it makes a big difference because they have to travel. So, like any little nick and injury, you don't have as much time to recover. Like at least if they played at 12, you might have a shot. But if they play Sunday night and somebody gets nicked in the third quarter, they ain't playing Thursday. I just think I just think for the NFL to talk about safety and all this stuff about bounties and all this crap, and to have that is just 
total, total hypocrisy and horrible. I didn't yeah. think of, I, mean, I, I didn't think, think of, I, I didn't think of the fun thing. thing. That they could play him on Monday night. What's that? I guess the only thing worse is they could play him on Monday night and then play Thursday. Yeah, I mean, and, and it doesn't seem like there's any reason for it. I mean, they have, they, they had the guy who does the schedule and he, he ran through a bunch of different things on why things happen. You know, like San Francisco doesn't have any Monday night home games because they don't have parking around their stadium because it's new and it's all downtown and they don't have parking lots ready. So, People that go to work on Monday, they won't have any place to park when they go to the game. But, I mean, so things like that. But it just makes no sense for me. But, um, Dave, when you look at the Saints schedule, what was your initial opinion of it? Well, I mean, the first thing that sticks out is, is the five primetime games. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Uh, this country, lo- the country loves us. <laughs> um, no, but honestly, Ralph, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the worst part about the schedule is that late night Sunday game right into uh, a Thursday night game against a division opponent at their stadium. Uh, I mean, it's great that the, you got, you got two straight primetime games, but, uh, but that's just a quick turnaround. I mean, it, it, I feel like they should just fly to Carolina the next day and just <laughs> settle in there for a few days instead of getting comfortable at home and then having to fly out in like a day yeah. or whatever. Um, so, I mean, that's the big thing. Um, you know, somebody asked me in my mailbag series whether I think it's a conspiracy that the Saints have played have had to play Chicago in Chicago in December three times in the last you know four years or whatever it is. I mean, that's just crazy. Uh, and this NFL scheduling schedule making is is a science that uh, takes a long time and requires a lot of brain power, um, of which I'm sure Roger Goodell doesn't have. So, uh, you know, it's certainly not a conspiracy against the Saints, but uh, that could be a tough game depending on the weather. That's a night game as well, so it's going to be even colder. Um, same thing with Pittsburgh late November. That could be an issue in the cold. Um, but that's a fle- that to me seems like a like a like a good a good chance for a flex. Yeah, that could be flexed, but I mean, uh, honestly. The the good news is that, that that that's an AFC a non division AFC opponent. So, you know, if if they're gonna lose, if they're gonna lose a game, that's that's one that uh, that I'd be all right with them losing. I mean, as far as uh, I'm assuming we're gonna throw out predictions here for, you know, some preliminary predictions. So I mean, I, I'd I'd say um, if I'm being optimistic, 12 and four, but um, 11 and five might be more likely. But you know, I I I, I think. Uh, all in all, it's it's it looks pretty good. Andrew, your thoughts? Does anything? Yeah, I mean, I, I think two things that stand out to me. I mean, obviously, besides the stuff that you guys mentioned, is the, the starting the season two games on the road. That's tough, you know. I mean, at Atlanta to start the season, then you got to go to Cleveland right after that. So that that's not ideal, um, you know, to have game number three at home. In fact. Well, I, I can't remember the last time that happened. In fact, I think it was 2006 was the last yep. time it happened, and game number three was Atlanta at home. Yeah, um, and Cleveland, and Cleveland was one of those two away games. I Cleveland was the I opener. It was, it, it was at Cleveland, and then I think it was at Green Bay. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, and they won. Them. Um, anyway, we did, we did. So hopefully, uh, you know, we'll, we'll repeat that success. But uh, then. Then you've got the three home games in November, which kind of sticks out. But, uh, you know, I'm just hopeful that the Saints will be able to replicate kind of the dominance that they had at home last year 
Um, you know, I don't know if they're going to be able to go 8-0 and again. I mean, but something like that would be nice. And, you know, if the team needs wins down the stretch in November, you've got, you know, some big games coming up. Um, that, that, that's going to feel good to have that three-game stretch at home where they can kind of rely on their crowd and get through those, uh, hopefully with three wins. Yeah, they haven't lost a home game with Sean Payton on the sideline since 2010. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, so, I mean... It, it's it, in fact the last team to I think the last team to beat them at home is if I'm correct I think it's Cleveland. Colt McCoy. Colt Jesus. Um, you know the the thing is Andrew, if you look at the Saints last year and I I forget who it was who wrote it but it's it's Black and Gold Review wrote a great post about how their schedule last year was just a bear and last year they weren't lucky in close games they would i think they were five and four in games decided by a touchdown or less which isn't great luck it isn't bad luck it's just kind of eh you know so to me the schedule's easier this year by far because i feel like the nf the afc north andrew is a division trending downward pittsburgh's getting older cincinnati is not going to make the playoffs four years in a row they're just not capable of pulling off such feet <laughs> Cleveland is Cleveland, and Baltimore, they're in kind of a transition. And, I mean, I just – I feel like if, if 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 I could play any of the AFC division divisions, that's the one I'd want to play. Maybe the, yeah. maybe the South in the AFC, but, I mean, I, I'd pick I, – I like the North. You know, so the schedule's easier. I think they're due for some good luck in close games. I'm really bullish on this team, and I know I'm. They they call me, you know, uh, Doc, you know, the Dooms Man on on the internet. Uh, but I feel really good that, you know, hell, if they stay healthy, I don't see them being less than 11 and 5, 12 and 4, as long as number nine is under center and they aren't. They don't have catastrophic injuries. Well, that's always the caveat. Um... I mean, you look at the Packers this past year and, you know, anyone that was circling the Packers on their calendar when they were looking at the schedule six months before the season, they were thinking, oh, well, the Packers, that, that's either a tough game or that's a loss. But then Aaron Rodgers goes down, and I can't even remember who their backup was at first, but he was Tolles, a disaster. Scott Tolson, yeah, and then they went back yeah, to Flynn. Then they go back to Matt Flynn. Seneca so. Wallace started for them one game. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. There you go. Your boy. So um, you, you have no idea how it's going to play out. And a, and a good team on paper, you know, you look at Atlanta, you know, a good team on paper, they went 13-3, and three, they lose Julio Jones, they have a couple injuries, and all of a sudden everything starts to crumble. So it's hard to predict how that's going to go. And I'm sure some of these games that, uh, that seem really tough uh, could change. I mean, you look at Carolina, I mean, if something happened to Luke Keckley and Cam Newton, that's two players. All of a sudden, they, there are three and They still need teams, receivers so. that have caught NFL passes. Right. So, I mean, Car- Carolina's a team that, I mean, gosh, <gasps> if you look at their receivers, could be ripe for an Atlanta-type 180 this year. Dave, who's a team on the schedule that you think will be much better than what we think they'll be right now? Who has a chance to be a lot better than – what we think they'll what you know hmm that's a tough one i mean you know we play cleveland i I don't think they're going to be any better than we think we play minnesota i don't really think they're going to be that great 
Dallas. I don't think they're going to be there. And I'd say the only team I could possibly think of would be maybe Detroit. Maybe there are some people who don't think Detroit is that good. Um, yeah, they, see, but you say that, but then the thing, you, you look at like St. Louis last year and Max Hall and the Cardinals, Colt McCoy and the Browns. The Saints have a history under Sean Payton of playing worse against teams that are either terrible or are starting just a journeyman jerk off at quarterback. So I, I'm almost like, I, I almost am more scared of the teams that are terrible on paper and have been playing terrible. And then the Saints just show up and play down to their competition. They, they well, have done that. Well, yeah. I wouldn't say last year. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't characterize the jet. I wouldn't characterize the jets in St. Louis as terrible. Now Colt McCoy, when Max Hall and those losses, that's terrible. But the Jets were eight and eight, and since St. Louis was seven and nine, I wouldn't, I wouldn't characterize them as, as horrible losses, bad losses maybe, but not, not awful. But you disagree, games Andrew? They should have, games they should have won. Yeah, games they should have won. But I mean, it, it's not like, it, to me, it's not like they lost to a four and twelve team that just there's just like a a gaping horrible loss you know i'll tell you one team that i look at that schedule and i think they're i think they are ripe for a downtick is the cowgirls because tony romo he's he's 34 which is just a year younger than breeze but he's had back surgery twice now and if the cowboys don't have him and kyle orton retires they are screwed so i think they could be a downtick They've, the Lions is interesting because Jim Schwartz was so terrible at getting him disciplined, but they turned to Jim Caldwell, who we don't even know if he's alive. So it, they're a difficult team. Um, you know, and we'll see. I mean, Atlanta, they, I think they'll, they, they'll have to be better, but I still think they have, I still think they have offensive line issues. I still think they have pass rush issues on defense, although they're, I like the play, the young guys they have in their secondary. Um, But, uh, uh, Mm -hmm. Dave, is there, (laughs) before we get, before we get off the schedule, is, is there, is there one sort of game that, that really you're look, you've circled and as a home game, you're really looking forward to a home game. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, I've got two. I'll give you. I'll give give you one, and I'll let you take the other one. I'm sure. Okay. I, I think we're probably as far as home games are going. Uh, I, I think we're we probably have the same two or three. All of us have the same two or yeah. three circled. Uh, I'll go with the Minnesota one just because uh, I believe this is the first time the Saints are playing Minnesota again back in the dome since the NFC championship game. Is that, does no, that it was the ne- they, they opened up the next year on Thursday. You're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, you're right. They did do that. But since then, those are like back to back games practically, but uh, I, you know, it, it'll be good. Just, just, I'm only looking forward to that game simply because I know that it's going to bring up a lot of the, uh, all the rhetoric and all the talk between the fan bases. And it's going to bring up, uh, all the memories from 2009. How many people and, are left on Minnesota's team, though? Uh, I'm not saying from the players. I'm oh, saying yeah. from fans. 
Well, yeah. Uh, and uh, and I'm, I'm hoping it's going to get a little salty before the game. And then I'm hoping that the Saints put a beat down on Minnesota <laughs> yet again. So, you know, so we, it's, a, it's just another notch in the Saints belt against those whiny Viking fans. So, that, I, you know, I kind of look forward to that game for that reason. Uh, Nothing to do I'm with football. I'm looking forward to Green Bay. They haven't played Green Bay at home in a, in a really long time, I don't think. Um, and they definitely haven't. They have definitely haven't played Green Bay at home uh, since they had Aaron Rodgers, and he got to be an elite quarterback. No, that's not true. They played him once and actually put like 50 points on him. Yeah, but I don't, like Aaron Rodgers wasn't considered. He wasn't like a. He was just starting to play. He wasn't like, oh my god, he's a star. You know, he was too. He, Aaron Rodgers was a star the minute he started playing, pretty much. Yeah, he was I too. Don't know about that. Yes. Dude, his first season, he was great. I thought he got injured his first year. Nah, look at the stats, man. Look it up. He was well-known and well right. I do remember that beatdown, and I think Colston had like 180 yards. Yeah. Monday night game. Um, but that's the game I'm looking forward to. Um, Andrew, is there one – before we wrap up the schedule, the, the is there – is are, are you as excited for the Atlanta game to open this year – as you were last year? No, not nearly as excited. I mean, last year was at home, you know, and they were the defending division champs and, um, you know, the Saints were out for blood and everything and Sean Payton was back. So there were just so many factors. Um, This year, you know, I feel like it's in Atlanta and I feel like the Falcons are trying to rebound from what what they consider just an absolutely miserable and awful season. So I, I don't like the way that one sets up, to be honest, as well as last year. It makes me a little nervous. I mean, I still think the Saints should be able to win that game, but uh, the level of excitement just in general going on the road, that that first game you want to have it at home if you can. So, All right. We got the draft coming up in two weeks. Uh, Dave? No, like nine days. Nine man. days, that's right. Uh Dave, why does the NFL want to expand it to four days? I feel like by 2020, they're just going to do a pick a day, and the draft is going to take like four months. Hey, you know what? I don't know why people are complaining about this. I don't like it. I do. You want it I to mean, be? You want? I don't. It, I just feel like they stretch it out too long. We are all starved for real football information news content you know action all of that i I, if if you truly like football and like the game of football like the sport of football like like the off season and everything that comes with it and i mean the off season is where is where your team is built every every year i mean all the stuff that happens on the field during the regular season i mean all of that is the culmination of everything that happens in these quote unquote you know long boring off-season months i mean you know i'm not like a huge draft lover like i know there are people out there but i mean why not make it longer who who cares we got nothing else to do uh i i I hate to say it but i'm not following the nhl playoffs i'm definitely not following the nba playoffs the nba playoffs are they're they're postponed until donald sterling is beat sells the team until he sells the team uh i mean you know, and expanding it to four days, that, to me personally, I mean, I just think that means we can 
sink our teeth into it a little bit better. I mean, first of all, as a blogger, it's it's when when you when you have the draft in two days. I mean, there's just so much information coming out and and so many draft picks coming out, and you got to kind of stay on top of it. I mean, as a blogger, if we can stretch this out, I, you know, I don't have to be in a rush. I can cover, I can cover it better. I can devote more time to certain things. But I mean, just even as a fan. Uh, you know, we can sink our teeth into it a little bit more. We can l- learn a little bit more about the players and follow along with it. You know, I, I like that. I don't want it to feel rushed. Uh, and oftentimes in those mid to late rounds when you've got five, six minutes or whatever it is, I mean, I just think it's rushed. So I'm I'm totally OK with 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 with, with expanding the enjoyment of anything during the offseason. Andrew, are you pro or con stretching out the draft? I, I mean, I, I don't. I like the idea of three days. Um, more just because it used to be more. It, more for me, it's just a personal situation at this point. I think when I was in college, or you know, when I didn't have kids, it was easy for me to just set aside the whole Saturday and Sunday, you know, and just kind of watch the draft all day long. Um, now, you know, it's nice because it's like that Thursday and Friday. It's in the evening after my kids go to bed, and so I can kind of just focus on it for little bits at a time. And then, you know, it's kind of shut down for a few hours and then you come back at it the next day. NFL draft pro parents. Yeah, it's definitely so, you know, and and that's their target audience. You know, I mean, if you look at who, who's really watching the NFL, it's young parents, I think, and kids. And And maybe, maybe, maybe I've not, I don't, I'm not as gung ho about the draft because the draft is for shitty teams. I mean, let's, let's be real. You know, when you yeah. when your when your team wins 10, 11 games, you pick in the bottom of the round, and you you care about it. It's still fun because you love football, but it's not as the draft isn't as fun when your team's good, which is a trade off every fan would make. You know, but look, it's it, it it's not as fun when you don't have multiple when you're like like Cleveland, they have multiple picks, so it's like their biggest day of the year. I don't know. Honestly, I feel like the draft is more fun now than it was when the Saints were terrible because even though the picks were good, there was always just that sinking the, the dread of incompetence. Yes. Incompetence is entertaining, though. The Saints being competent at the, the draft kind of makes it dull. But, uh, Dave, uh, what? Because they get guys. I mean, if you look at last year's draft, I mean, I feel great about that class. You got. John Jenkins, Teron Armstead, Kenny Stills, Kenny Vaccaro, four guys that I think five years from now could very well be major contributing forces on the team. No, so that's that's the kind of draft you look back on. You're like, yeah, that's why we won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Like 2006, you look back at it. And I, or, and I know people give him crap about Roman Harper, but that draft was – that draft is – Loaded. Crazy. What's that? Loaded. Yeah. Um, Dave, if – there is a player that the Saints really like, or and you, and just you personally, if there's a guy that you really like, whether it's a receiver or a corner, whoever, and he's still there at like pick 15 to 20, do you think the Saints will move up? Yes. And would yes. you, you think they're going to move up and and you're for it? No, I'm not for it. Uh I'm 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 not for it in the general sense. I mean, obviously, if five years from now the guy that they traded up to get is awesome, then I'm for it. Um, but as a draft strategy, I'm not for it. I'm not usually for trading up. Uh, I'm usually a big proponent of trading back. Uh, 
I'm a big proponent of the Bill Belichick slash New England Patriots drafting philosophy. Seattle and um, San Fran, too. Seattle and San Fran. This Seattle is very made true. a big move to get Harvin, though. That's true. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it can be done. I mean, and, and those teams do it. But for the most part, I think their philosophy is is acquire as many picks as as they can. I, I think San Francisco last year had like some crazy amount of picks, like 15 or something. Well, here's... Uh, here- but uh, but to answer the first part of your question, uh, I do think it's definitely possible. I definitely think it's, uh, you know, dare I say likely. Um, I, I've said this about for about a month now, and I'm sticking to it. I think the Saints are either going to draft a wide receiver and stay put at 27th, or they're going to trade up and grab some some guy that they that they really want. I don't know what position that is, and I don't know who that is, but. Um, you know, this this year they have seven uh, picks, and that's the most they've had since 2006, I believe, or 2007. Uh, they don't normally have that many picks, and I don't think I, I think in the way that the Niners and the Seahawks and the Patriots, with their philosophy being get as many draft picks as possible, I think that that the Saints have the opposite philosophy uh and i don't necessarily think that that's a, a bad thing you know i think i think by having a lot of draft picks i think you're hedging your bets and you know you're trying to get as many players as possible and you're hoping that a certain amount of them wind up contributing and being key part players well, on your team i think the saints philosophy is i think the saints for some reason maybe trust their scouting department more or, or whatever. But I think their philosophy is more, we want to, we, we have certain guys that we really like and we want to try to get those guys and we want to get a hand, just a handful of players that we, that we think are going to contribute successfully. So I think there, yep. I think those are two sides of the philosophy, dr- the drafting philosophy spectrum. Um, and I think that's been the Saints MO and I just think that's the way they operate. You, here's so a stat up- for you, Dave. Here's a stat that they kind of is in keeping with what you just said. Um, and uh, very much to your point, the Saints have traded up in the Sean Payton era. So in eight years of drafting, the Saints have traded up nine times at some point in the draft. So right. roughly that's an average of once per draft, a little bit more than once per draft. And they do it all over. Andrew, that's a good point. And they do it all over the place. They do, right? They, they do, do it for more. They did it for they've Morstead. Moved, they've moved they down. It. They've moved down twice, wow. two times. So they did it for a uh, difference. They did it for fanboy uh, Arrington. They did it for Howard Woods. They did it for Cedric Ellis. And they I mean, that, that's Antonio. Or what was the running back? Antonio, Antonio Pittman. Pittman. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is, I mean, the problem is. Mark that's why, Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. And I mean, that's the thing is, I don't know if that's necessarily the best draft strategy for them because they, they seem to miss fairly they often. Yeah. Uh, they seem to miss fa- fairly often, which is that's the frustrating part of it. But they also, I feel like they do a really good job of making up for that, though, in undrafted free agency because they well, seem to be really good at finding uh, players that wind up being well, Dave, big contributors after the draft. Let's look at the they, they traded up for Jamal Brown. I would say that was right. I would say that, that was that wasn't Peyton though. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's, that's right. right. That's right. I would say they trade up for Morstead. That was a win. That was I would say they trade up for Cedric Ellis. Because that was in the late that was in the late round. I mean, you know, trading up in a late round, that's no big deal. You know, you trade up in the fifth round or the sixth round, 
you yeah. know, what are you giving up? You're giving up another sixth rounder or a seventh rounder or something like well, that. Andrew. Trading up to get Cedric Ellis. That's, yeah. well, that's a bad move. Andrew, I'm for, tr- I'm for trading up because – and you're the guy that breaks down all the film and knows the roster up and down. But I feel like the Saints roster is pretty deep and set at most spots. Like if they draft a defensive end in the fourth or fifth round, are they, is he beating out Walk Tyrone Walker? Is he beating out uh, Foster for a spot? I don't think so. I feel like – and at safety, they got Bush. They got – Bird, they got Vaccaro, they got the guy from Canada. I mean, I feel like they can afford to give up some of those third, fourth, fifth round draft picks because their roster is pretty deep. It's pretty deep at most positions. I feel really good about most positions. I still think there's a significant lack of depth at receiver, at corner, on the offensive line, and at linebacker. Um, so th- those are kind of the four target areas. So I mean, if you can get a great guy at one of those positions, sure, go for it. But otherwise, I'd very much like to have seven drafted players um, at those positions that can kind of fill in the depth behind, um, you know, the kind of lack of talent. I mean, if you look at receiver, if the Saints the Saints are starting Kenny Stills and Marcus Colston. I think and behind them they've got Joe Morgan and Nick Toon. So I if you feel great move. about that, then I'd, I I think they're going to move for a receiver. I really do. I yeah. think. I think. I think. If Odell Beckham is there, the Steelers, they need a receiver too. So, I, But I think if Odell Beckham gets past the Steelers at 15, I think I'll be surprised if the Saints don't make a move to get him and go from 27 to 18, 19, 20, which that move will probably co- – that cost you what, Andrew? Probably like a third-round pick, fourth-round pick? To move up seven or so spots? Ooh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it could easily cost you a second-round pick. Mm. Um, yeah, and I, I don't know if you would want to do that at that point. But, yeah, I mean, no. I would think at least a third-round pick at yeah. minimum. And yeah. and remember, the Saints are picking low in these in these rounds. So the value of the third-round pick for the Saints is not, not that great. Yeah, I just – I think they're going to – I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna move and try to get a receiver because I, I. I think they feel like they at corner, they're okay. At linebacker, they're okay. Depth at, at in the line is kind of eh. But rec- I feel like the receiver is just they got to do something. Like I. Well, I, I think this is one of these drafts. Remember they got Devery Henderson and Meacham kind of back to back, and those guys or eh, a couple of years apart. But those two guys ended up being um, the field-stretching tandem that kind of carried the Saints for multiple years. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they got Kenny Stills last year, um, and Kenny Stills in year one I think was great, and I think he's absolutely on on their on their level, and I think he's on his way to giving the Saints the type of career that they got out of those two players and hopefully even better. Um, but I think they need another hit like that. Um, they need another Devery Henderson, Robert Meacham type guy that they can get that's going to come in and contribute like those guys did and hopefully give them, you know, five, six, seven years of, of quality play. Final draft question. Then we'll get to Twitter questions and get the hell out of one, here. And one, and one other thing I could, I could see the saints. I, I could see the saints. It might be a smart move for the saints to actually trade up into the second in, in the second round. In other words, from that 54th spot and trade up, you know, there may be, there are a lot of wide receivers in this yeah, draft. That's true. 
Uh, you know, depending on what they did in the first round, there are a lot of wide receivers in this draft. If somebody, if one of those guys, um, you know, some guy happened to fall a little bit, I could see them trading up in the second round. I wonder, Dave, I wonder that's a good point. Maybe I wasn't thinking trading up in the second round. I was thinking, let's say they have a guy in, 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 let's say Odell Beckham is separated from all the other wide receivers and he gets picked at 18, the Saints may feel, you know what, we can move back from 27 and some team wants Johnny Manziel who's fallen or a quarterback. They want to jump back in to the first round and you trade back with a Cleveland who has a ton of picks. uh, Yeah, I mean that would be even more ideal. But, I mean, I just think the top of that second round, the top and the middle of that second round, I think there are going to be some – I mean, one, I think this is a deep draft at wide receiver. And, I mean, I also think there are going to be maybe some players that fall. So I think getting into the top of that second round, uh, that that might be where you find some good value. Andrew, if what would happen on draft night, since we're nine days away, what would happen on draft night that will really – frustrate you when you're writing your recap the next day uh i mean if if i if they take a quarterback in the first three (laughs) rounds i would lose it um (laughs) but uh you know i i I feel like that's a low risk i I feel like what's a higher risk um i'd be pretty disappointed if they picked like a guy like morgan moses um you know if in the first round like if they picked a tackle at 27 um you know, I, I mean, you'd feel like, yeah, they need some depth at tackle. I mean, you know, Teron Armstead, he, you think he's going to be good, but there's no guarantees, and Zach Streif isn't that young. The, the thing that would frustrate me, Andrew, with picking a tackle is that's one of those positions where if they pick a wide receiver or they pick a, a corner or whatever, no matter what happens, if they pick a wide receiver and he's good, he'll get on the field because it's, they play multiple wide receivers. But if they right. pick a tackle and – Armstead and Streif are good and don't get hurt. That tackle is going to be on the field very little unless he plays the Zach Streif role of tackle eligible. And that would frustrate me for being a first round pick. Actually, honestly, defensive end, any, any position on the defensive line, I feel like that's where the saints are the strongest right now. Um, They're, they're not only, they don't have quality. They not only have quality starters at every position on the D line, um, but they're one deep with backups. I mean, I like Foster. I like Ty- Tyron Walker. Um, I like um, you know Victor Butler that can kind of maybe fill in for what Junior Gallette's doing. Um, so I, I like the depth uh, along the defensive line. And then you got John Jenkins behind Bunkley. So um, I, I, honestly, that that would probably be most frustrating is if they added another piece on the defensive line when you feel like um, not only are the starters very strong, but the depth behind them. Yeah. All right, t- time for Twitter questions. This I've is got from a couple. Sports Cajun, Dave. This one, is, actually, Andrew, you're a music guy. I'll give this one to you. What would you rather watch for 72 hours straight? Nickelback music videos or Mark Ingram's highlight tape? Oh, well, that's easy. Mark Ingram for sure. I mean, there, <laughs> I'm assuming if you're watching his highlight tape, um, there, the highlight reel is probably selecting um, his best plays and. He's had some. I mean, it would probably just show the Dallas Cowboys game entirely, and that's, <laughs> that's it. better. Than, I, that for 24 yeah. hours is better than any Nickelback. I mean, I'd I'd rather that than 10 minutes of Nickelback. So, yeah. Um, 
I don't really Dave, you got a couple I, questions for watch the Cowboys game like five times. <laughs> Dave, do you have questions? Yes, I do. Um, I'll start with a serious question. Lloyd Martin Jr. wants to know if the Saints are shopping a veteran center. Why so serious? I think uh, I think Andrew should field that question. <laughs> <laughs> What's are they shopping? Are they shopping yeah. for a veteran center? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, let's see how can I? Yes. <laughs> I think I think they are. As long as Goodwin isn't signed by another team, um, I just feel like he's until until he signs with another team. He visited the Saints. They didn't get anything done, but I just feel like that's gonna at some point if the if and if the Saints don't draft a center for God's sakes, who else the fuck is it gonna be? Right. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, come on. I think we're all just hoping that they sign Jonathan Goodwin at this point. But I mean, who? Like seriously, like. I agree. I agree. But like, even if even if they draft um, a center or an interior offensive lineman, I, I still think that I still think that happens. Um, here's a question for you, Dave. Um, let's see. Uh, which were, which wide receiver do you go after in round one? I'm big on ODB Jr. Me too, Space Monkey. Everyone keeps talking about Mike Evans. Uh, is either worth a trade-up? No. I mean, Mike Evans is going to be gone by the first 15 picks. And I, I don't think the Saints have the ammo to get that high. Dave? They they do have the ammo to get high. I don't think they're stupid enough to, to pull the trigger. Um, you want to go from 27 to 6, you got to give up. Atlanta gave up five picks to get yeah. Jones. That's you, the, that's the price. T- talk about you know scenarios that would make me want to kill myself writing the recap. Uh, <laughs> that 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 would be one of them. That would be one of them for sure. Uh, as far as a receiver, you know, th- there's a lot out there. Give, um, me, give me Brandon Cooks. I would take him. I, I, you know, not Kelvin Benjamin. I, I want nothing to do with him. Um, but ODB would be fine. Marquise Lee. Um, the Saints have a, a a history of going with USC guys in the first round. Larry, Larry Holder has a Marquise Lee fetish. Yeah. yeah and I'm, I'm big. I read an advanced football stat article on And the Valley Shook, which is a college site. But uh, it made a really strong point about special teams and things that I didn't realize. For every two and a half yards that your starting field position is better than your opponent – you increase your odds by winning the game 8% every two and a half yards better your starting field position is. And the Saints suck on special teams. I mean, let's be real. On returns, you mean. Yeah. So they need they need to get that better. And I feel like whether it's a defensive back that can return the kicks and punts or a receiver, like they need to fix that. Yeah, their kick return man can't be a traverse cadet. I mean, they just – they cannot open the season at Atlanta with Traverse Cadet running back the opening kickoff. That, that can't happen. <laughs> um, so that Dave, that's all my questions. So do you have any more? Yeah, I got a few. Um, Andrew's uh, colleague, Super Saiyan Saint, um, wants to know if we should make Donald Sterling be one of Michael Vick's dogs, dogs for a week. <laughs> um, obviously, he's talking about Michael Vick's dogs back in the day when he was. Uh, uh, I think I think everyone knows Dave what he's referring thing. to. <laughs> you know, I just wanted to clear that up because 
Michael Vick would probably be the first to tell you that he has new dogs and that he takes care of them very well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say that'd be probably a, a pretty fair, fair punishment. I, I mean, you know, not that I feel that bad for Donald Sterling, obviously. He's going to uh, get a billion and a half dollars when he well, sells the not, team. I mean, not even that, but I mean, he, he's, 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 uh, you know, I don't agree with anything he, he said or, or anything that he, any, any way that he feels, but I mean, on, on the other side of the coin, you know, this whole thing came about from some sort of private conversation, um, that was recorded and I guess somehow leaked and, uh. Yeah, well, uh, don't that, don't let your wife sue your mistress for one point eight million dollars and have your mistress uh, you be know, a spiteful I mean, you bitch. Say, well, yeah, right, and I mean <laughs> that, that's what really sucks about the whole thing. But I, you know, in in some sense, I, I I sort of there's a monicum, you know, of of feeling bad for the guy. Um, I do believe that wh- whether I agree with them or not, I, I I do agree that and do believe that people can feel however they want to feel. Um, and if he feels that way, that's fine. I'm not going to agree with him. I'm not going to be his friend. Um, but he is allowed to feel that way. And it's now gotten in the way of, of, of his job and his personal life. Yeah. Well, once, but once this, I mean, that's true to a certain extent, but the other owners, once the corporate sponsors started to bail on the Clippers and national NBA corporate partners were like, like Budweiser and Kia were like, well, we're going to see what the commissioner does. Once that started to happen and other owners were like, oh, shit, we're going to lose money and the players might boycott, like then he was done. But, I mean, I don't want to get into Donald Sterling because we'll be here till 1030. But, <laughs> um, you know, and I think people are just t- – fucking ESPN covered it like the Nixon resignation today. Um, but uh, Is there any news on that? Did he resign or anything? <laughs> just I mean, a little bit. Thank you. I mean, I know he was banned. No, I know he was banned, and I know that... uh, They're forcing him to sell the team. The owners voted. They're kicking him out of the... He's not allowed to be an owner anymore. Yeah, I knew that, but he hasn't made, like, any comments. No, no. And supposedly he's going to sue the crap out of the NBA and fight it to the death. But he's 80, so that could only be, like, six months. I mean, I don't really know what ground he has to stand on. I don't really blame him, though. I mean, obviously what he did was awful, and he definitely has it coming to him. He deserves what's happening, but... um, if I were him, you're being forced to sell a team that you own, and if you don't want to sell it, um, you know, I I don't know. I, I'd feel weird about someone telling me that I have to sell my property. Um, yeah, and it's it, it, it's it's a weird. I mean, and he is he made his money being a lawyer, so he's like apparently like doesn't give two shits about what people think of him. So he will gladly sue the NBA up and down. And that's part of the reason why David Stern never tried to force him out, even though he was so racist and shitty and everybody knew it. It was kind of like the NBA didn't want to have to go to war with him, but now they have to because of all the stuff that came out on the tape. But I think it's funny. I think it's funny that the NBA fined him and then, and now they're kicking him out. If I was him, I'd be like, I'm not paying this fine. (laughs) You're, you're about to kick me out of your club, like in your organization. Like, why am I going to pay a fine to an organization I'm not even a member of? So fuck you. You can make me sell my team, but I'm not paying your fucking two, two, two and a half million fine. <laughs> uh, that is a good that is a good point. The uh, it it's just I, I was just ESPN was it, I mean, I guess it's it's news and all this, but God damn, they covered it like the Nixon. It was annoying today when I got home. But um, that's all the questions. That's all the time. Uh, 
Andrew, quick, what do you got on Saints Nation between now and the draft? Well, uh, I've had a couple beasts of posts, a couple top tens. I had the top ten best and worst plays in Saints history. And uh, I had the top – I had draft-related stuff, top ten stuff. So – uh, but moving forward, um, you know, nine days away now, we're going to be covering the draft in earnest. So really honing in on the prospects available, who would be there at 27. So kind of locking and loading with uh, with about a week left. So looking forward to that. Dave, what do you have on the chronic? The chronic uh, will finish up um, our mock draft and we'll finish up our big board. And uh, I I may update, do one final uh, mock draft database to see if um, the internet thinks any differently about where the Saints are going to go with their 27th pick. Um, have you revealed, Dave? Have you revealed yet who's the mock pick at 27? No. Oh no, oh. I have not. I mean, people that are involved in the mock draft know, but uh, but I have not revealed. No, he's still he's only on the Packers. We're only on the oh, well, okay. we're coming up. We're at 22. The, the Saints yeah. are only five away. Yeah. Um, can you, can you I, give us a little tease, a little teaser, a little taste? I, I mean, I'm not going to give you any information about who it is, but I mean, I, I think considering the way everything fell, um, I think uh, I think the Saints got the the best player available at a position of need. And um, the only tease I would say is that I, I was surprised that this guy fell this far. I will say how, this. How many, how many quarterbacks have been picked thus far in your mock out of 22? Uh, let's picks? see. Bridgewater was first. Manziel was third. Bortles was seventh. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Derek, Derek Carr. Carr was 20. Yeah, if, so that, that, would, that would be amazing. If four right. go. It's the ideal that, scenario. That, that's a dream scenario. Yeah. That's Absolutely. a dream. If, this, if, if Dave's scenario happens, <laughs> I will be a basket case on Twitter. Uh, and I will have full ODB fever by then. Yeah, I mean, if you look at if you look at those four, I mean, I've seen some mocks where it's just two getting to 27. No that, way, Bridgewater. That, that, Bridgewater's off the. He's not going to be picked in the first round. I don't. Yeah. Think. So I mean, I, that to me that would be um, a disaster scenario if two quarterbacks go because then you know you've got all these players that are getting drafted and the board's shrinking for the Saints, but. Uh, man, if if four could go like Dave's mock, I mean that's that's the dream scenario, um, where you know talent continues to fall. I think three is a possibility, but we'll have we'll get we'll get into that next week. Um, so Kevin was MIA because he doesn't love us. Um, he's so probably Kevin, doing, he's probably busy doing a power ranking. He's right? probably yeah. No, I think you meant a power bomb. <laughs> so, for Dave, for Andrew, I'm Ralph. Uh, be well. Until next week, it's almost draft time! This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. 
and you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.